welcome to the No Risk Business Performance Podcast, where we discuss all things very small business, from the challenges to solutions to failures and victories. I'm your host, Judah Boulay, and I'm ready to roll, so let's do this. Welcome to the Norris Business Performance Podcast. Um, today, I'm excited to have one of my um, peer peer group um, members um, from one of my first business coaching groups, um, mm-hmm. Dave Whitson. Dave Whitson is from or lives in New Jersey. Um, I forgot where specifically, but he runs um, Soar Performance. Soar Health and Performance. That's fine. It works. Performance. I just yeah. saw CrossFit Soar back in the day, but you went through a rebranding, yeah. which we're going to focus on. But Dave, why don't we take a minute and tell us a little bit more about yourself, your background, your story, how you got to uh, running Soar. So um, I, out of college, took a job at a school, mostly because I didn't know what to do, if that makes sense. Um, it was kind of like the low-hanging fruit for me. Um, so I did that for seven years. And while I was there, I started training people out of my house and doing strength and conditioning for sports teams, um, mostly uh, individually with soccer players. And then as a team with a track and field team with my wife. So my wife is a much better athlete than I am. She was a division one track and field athlete, heptathlete, um, did very, very well. Uh, no scholarship, walked onto the team, ended up being the number two or number three ranked heptathlete, I think, in the A-10 conference in the Northeast. So um, she's a much better athlete than me. So she pulled me into doing strength and conditioning with an all girls track and field team, which was fantastic to be with 90 high school girls that were constantly angry at me for stuff I didn't do. But it was a huge learning curve for me to work with uh, that many kids at once. Um, And then I got burnt out on the school thing. Um, I was burnt out training people at home. And so I always enjoyed doing CrossFit. Uh, The first time I saw CrossFit was I guess I was a sophomore or junior in college. So 2002, 2003, um, back in the day when it first came up, I remember the first CrossFit games being announced and everything. Um, maybe it was closer. Yeah. 2003, I think. Um, and so I got my CrossFit certification because why not? Um, seemed like I wanted to check it out and see what it was about and then start have the idea about opening up my own place. And I was taking part-time training jobs at places to kind of learn a little bit. And that's when I actually got uh, offered a position at CrossFit store which was a 1200 square foot building with uh, that also was housing a military or not military tactical and high end outdoors company was there too with my partners. That was my future partner, Steve. And after about two months, I quit my <clears throat> guaranteed salary, beautiful benefits, beautiful pension job to uh, run a gym that had about 25 members at the time. So, um, so yeah. you <laughs> the owner to start no i was not the owner to start i was um i was hired as a part-time trainer in the summer and then as steve and i started talking we literally would go to this place called the shep and knucklehead have some drinks eat some food write some stuff down and then we on a handshake and a cocktail napkin wrote out an agreement and i quit my job pretty soon after that after discussing with my wife to make sure she was on board with it but yeah okay and that was seven or eight years ago now okay and that was, yeah. so you, you were, you were um, coaching at Sora first and then you eventually took it over. Yeah. I was a part-time trainer and then I started working a little bit more, working a little bit more. And then um, I took over. So, yeah. All right. Now what's, so what's, when, when you went to college, what you go to college for? It wasn't. 
So I, I graduated with a degree in biology. Okay. Um, I studied okay. a little bit of everything. Yeah. So my, yeah, it was, it was just, it was a safe thing. You can get into a lot of different fields after that. And uh, the truth is I went to college because my parents kind of forced me to. Like my mom literally filled out the applications and just made me sign the name. Like that was the whole story. Um, but most of my education with things came post-college. So I joke that what I learned in college was I met my wife. That's, that's what I got kind of out of college, but yeah. Okay. So you, you, you that was uh, summa cum laude then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, wonderful person. So, uh, so that's great. All right. So you, you got uh, seven, eight years ago, you came in at, at CrossFit store then and yep. took over. So what, right. And without any formal business background, it was everything. So, my only business background was I saw my brother and cousin owned a business and I worked with them and I saw their struggles and, and staff and employees, but nothing super formal. Um, all my business education was kind of reading, following, watching videos, but there wasn't that many videos on YouTube then um, to help with business. And there wasn't many uh, things out there just to help small gym owners. There, it didn't really exist. So um, right off the bat, what struggles because you saw your brother and your cousin struggle and yeah. you're like, Oh yeah, this sounds like a great idea. And yeah. I'm going to open my own small business and struggle just like them. Um, what struggles did you face right off the bat? Um, and that, that you weren't expecting and that are like something that like most gym owners don't realize and that like hits them smack dab in the face. So um, how do I put this? If you're an employee, you know nothing about the government. If you're a business owner, you learn a lot about the government very quickly. Yeah. Very, very quickly. So I think the cost to do business, especially in New Jersey, was a massive, massive surprise. Um, I also expected, since I had inherited staff, right? They were there already. I was the, the low man, the totem pole who got hired last. And then one of them, they went away on vacation. When they came back, I was their boss. So that, that went well. Um, so I thought they'd be excited about changes to grow the gym and have a bigger space and all these things. And they weren't, they, they really weren't. Um, in fact, one of them tried to get me to not sign on with Steve and open a gym with him. And that was actually the first person I ever had to be like, Hey, you don't have a job here anymore because it just didn't work out well at all. So he went from trying to snag me to help run a gym with them to being fired about three or four months later. Um, so so that was interesting, um, as well as the current clientele was there. I was very surprised how they wanted to keep things status quo. They enjoyed the rhythm and flow of the place, but the, it couldn't grow from where it was at. So there was 20 to 25 people showing up, and I think there was eight to 10 people that were actually paying. So I was looking back, I was completely insane to consider this as an opportunity and quit a uh, what I consider a very soft and easy job uh, working at a school. Um, so, so that was it. The guy who run, ran the tactical store, he's, he also owned the gym. Yeah, so he got into CrossFit because he used it to rehab his back and he always wanted CrossFit to be part of his, this business he had. So he has the business background. He has done a ton of things. Um, he thinks a lot higher level. And so the gym was more of, a hobby thing that he always wanted to do, but there was, he, he didn't have the ability to manage it. He was busy doing another thing. Right. So, um, so it, he was always on board to create systems and to change and all those things. 
It was just that nothing was there to begin with. And so I thought this would be, I thought that with a group in place already, it'd be easier to make changes because I had a team already that would do the changes with me instead of turned into, okay, I have to fire everyone. Even all these clients are probably going to have to go, which I think we still have three clients, three clients from my first week of ownership are still at the gym. Pretty good. Um, uh, yeah, it's kind of surprising, but, um, so it, it was just not, not that headaches I thought I would have. I thought that headaches would be like, okay, we're putting in a better member management system. All right, we have to do social media better. Okay, we need to do this. We need to do that. Let's train the trainers better. Let's do this and kind of budget allocation, things like that. I didn't realize I would run into the headaches of getting staff that I thought would be excited on board to changes and moving into a bigger space and everything. So, um, so between kind of learning what cost of business is in New Jersey, um, as well as I had never been in a leadership role where I needed to influence people that were my age or older. I was always in a leadership role with people that were younger than me, students or something like, some, usually students are people younger in college than me. So that was very different too, because I was telling people who were older than me what to do, and they didn't really enjoy that all that much. So, Okay. So what, what did you do? What steps did you take to uh, <laughs> succeed? Because you've obviously succeeded. It's eight years after. Um, yep a pandemic thrown in there. Yeah. So what were the steps that you took to succeed? So um, I read a lot of books, listened to a lot of podcasts, uh, made a whole bunch of mistakes, but um, I think part of it was I had to get over that kind of, uh, what's that, a honeymoon period. And I had to get through it really quick. So a lot of small gym owners that I know open up and there's this honeymoon period because you're not fully worried about profit yet. You're worried about sales and that's it. And it's fantastic. And you're starting with a staff that is back to your vision and where I had to get through that in less than two weeks, I was over that. And it was like, okay, it's either this or you're gone. It's this or you're gone. Hey, I know you don't like the fact that I'm going to charge your membership, but you have to leave. Yes. Our prices are going up because it costs money to do this. You know? And so I just had to kind of get over the, the idea that people being upset with me was necessarily a bad thing as well as it's okay to kind of put your foot down quicker than what I normally would. So, um, which is kind of funny because people know me as being a very honest and upfront person, but I also, I felt for my staff and I didn't want them to leave. I wanted them to be on board. Now, fast forward, I'm kind of over that way more. Um, but I think that was something we needed to do is that since people want to get onto the vision, we had to cut all that and just move forward with new people. Um, which I was hoping to move forward with them because it would have been, I thought easier, but it actually worked out better for us. So, so you, I was going to ask next about like your the highs and the lows, but it seemed like your lows started right when you were so high about an ecstatic about opening. Yeah, you came into this and like, oh crap, um, and that was your low. So, how long did it take before you started seeing those the highs? Well, I started a little differently too because there wasn't enough money to, for me to make a full time income from the gym. So I was coming in coaching five a.m. six a.m working at the other company from seven to nine, coaching 9 a.m., working out, eating food, working at the other company till 3 p.m., and then coaching the afternoon and then going home. And I lived about 40 minutes away from the gym at that time because I was helping my mom with, her, with my dad, who I'm, I'm doing again now, right? So that's when a lot of that stuff was first kind of bad. Um, so I was waking up at 3.30 every morning, commuting the 35, 40 minutes, coaching all day, working at the other company, 
and then getting home at 9 30 10 o'clock at night and then going to bed and doing it all over again so um but i think the first that was kind of that was the hardest thing i've probably ever done in my life and i probably did that for six months consistently and then it got easier after about eight nine months when i was able to have someone else coach early morning classes and not coach every night um and then we moved closer to the gym which helped but the, i'd say the first really big high was about two years in um we bought a building so and that made things i guess a year and a half in almost uh we bought a building and that changed everything because we had a five thousand square foot space it's the space we're still in now um we were able to kind of build bathrooms and put up the signs we, it, it was finally a place that was mine so to speak for the gym where before it was a space that was laid out already and this also gave us an opportunity to look more professional and to just have the capacity to be able to have a full-time income as well as a full-time or uh, revenue for the gym that would be able to pay trainers to be full-time so i wouldn't have to be here all the time so um i learned quickly that i shouldn't be an owner if i love coaching right like that's a great reason to start but that's not a reason to stay because that burns out and it's just a eventually becomes a bad use of your time if you're just always coaching but i'd say that first high was getting this space and laying it out and getting things the way, the way we wanted to and it wasn't an ideal situation. I mean, the other companies upstairs and they do shipping, receiving all day long. So we have a forklift outside and everything. There used to be a big conveyor belt that's all down now. I mean, it was crazy. The building was abandoned for seven years or five years or something. Um, but that was probably one of the biggest highs. And that was a big rallying point for all the clients and the staff that, hey, we have a place that's our own, that we're making our own and we're going to do things differently, um, so to speak. So. so for six months, you basically worked like 18 19 20 hour days um, i was sleeping if i was lucky four hours a night right so yeah burnt out by the end of that six month stretch or oh yeah my first year and a half at the gym i think i put on 20 pounds and all my gray hair came in right <laughs> i think i put on no i put on more than that i think i put on 30 pounds and all the gray hair came in yeah yeah, yeah. The funniest thing is like i tell uh um, students that like the, i talk to interns um, before they're about to go off on their internship and I was like oh if you want to not work out then get a job at a gym because I was teaching and when I went to full-time um, running my gym because it was just run as a hobby gym same thing yeah. like I ended up like struggling to find time to work out because I was always coaching or yeah. doing all the other things that everybody forgets that are associated with like running a gym and trying to be successful. All right. So, um, in the course of the seven years, what are some things that, um, you've done that you found, um, contributed to your success or continued success? So pretty early on, uh, pretty early on, I started looking for groups that were just about CrossFit. Right. So I had always dived deep into, becoming a great coach or an expert coach or have my staff be incredible coaches. But if no one knows who you are and your system suck, people don't stay. Right. Um, and that's how the first time I heard about three, two, one go project, they were doing a, uh, a seminar up in Massachusetts and I drove up there and there was like 25 people at it or something. And that was kind of the beginning of all that stuff. And since then that group has actually branched out to do their own stuff too. But um, that was, right before we got the building was when I started looking into, okay, who kind of has the best model for CrossFit, who, what companies are out there that can help. Um, I need to stop worrying about 
whether or not I knew the latest when it comes to training or who the, who the best times were in the CrossFit world. I needed to stop thinking about that and being obsessed and enjoying that stuff. And I needed to really learn how to lead people and create systems that kind of get me my time back. Um, because when we moved, numbers went up just because we moved and we had better awareness. We're on a pretty main road um, between three bigger towns. Um, so there was a good amount of, hey, there's a CrossFit gym. There's a CrossFit gym. It was, that was kind of easy, but it wasn't, it was all shotgun. And I was still handling all of it. And if I'm handling all of it, it's not really a business. I just have that 80 hour a week job that's fully dependent on me. And I couldn't even go away. So right. that was one thing that drove my wife nuts is that we didn't, we went on vacation right before I took ownership. And then we didn't go on vacation for probably three and a half years, something like that, like a real vacation. So which usually your, you know, civic and others does not appreciate that <laughs> in any way, shape or form. Right. Um, but I needed to be as passionate about business as I did, as I was about coaching. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah. So uh, we, we call it the difference between, uh, I think it was Tony Robbins, was, where I saw this was like an artist versus a manager versus an entrepreneur. So as an artist, I enjoyed doing the physical work with people, but I didn't enjoy doing the management or the entrepreneurial stuff, stuff as much. And I still don't. I'd much rather be with someone than sit there and looking at P&L sheets and financial broadcasting and looking at marketing and all those things and uh, prepping for, hey, there's, there's a pandemic. We got to financially forecast for it. Guess what? Taxes are going up in New Jersey. Taxes don't go up everywhere. We have to forecast for that. I mean, I wish I could just not deal with that, but that is part of being a business owner. You just have to do it. Okay, right. That's, yeah, well, that's, you know, I think that's a... Uh very valid point it's things that I learned myself. Um, yeah. you know, like there's only so much training information you can, you can learn, which is going to yeah. really make that big of a difference in your clientele. And yeah. it's time to like focus, focus on, you know, the business side of things and that business. Yeah. And, you know, like getting down into the nitty gritty of search engine optimization versus yeah. you know, sets of reps and percentages. So, yeah. Awesome. All right. So now, um, pandemic hit. All right. Yep. How, did, how did the pandemic affect you? Um, <laughs> um, so we've talked about this a little bit too, but, uh, so right before October, 2019, I guess, cause 2020 is a blur to me, just kind of like most people, but October, 2019, we started putting things in place to shift the brand a little bit. Um, just cause we were doing more than CrossFit but it's hard to get people to come for the things that are different than CrossFit if your building just says CrossFit on it. Um, so we started that whole process of shifting our messaging, shifting our values, uh, shifting how we were talking about ourselves and our services. And then, so we were building up. So from October, October to February, we went from, we added, there was a $20,000 difference in revenue per month from October to February. So we had branched out our business from just being CrossFit mostly to running events, uh, seminars done by us, uh, doing specific things for moms, uh, doing pain management and pain relief, uh, doing a return to sport. So people who had gotten injured, go to physical therapy, then they'd come to us and then go into their sport, doing more remote programming, doing higher ticket items than CrossFit. Um, CrossFit's now our low ticket item. Um, and we started to shift all that right before COVID. 
And then we got shut down during COVID and we used that time to really kind of map out what we wanted to do with the switch from CrossFit store to store health and performance. And then, so we rebranded during COVID. Okay. So it just happened to coincide with the time where everyone was hitting on CrossFit because of Greg Glassman um, being very uh, insensitive as he's known to be <laughs> and posting stuff. So the timing just happened to work with that, but that wasn't really the reason for it. Um, but so figure February, 2020, we had one, two, three, four people making a full-time living from the gym. And fast forward to today, it's just, it's me. So we started with a staff of, I think we had 12 people on staff in February. And now we're down to, I think five. Uh, We had our our manager, a real full-time person who was leading the charge in a lot of things. She switched careers um, to a different, to actually the group we use the trainer trainers. We want our trainers to be trained by them. Uh, Another person who moved from the South, moved back down South because his income dropped. Um, He was making a full-time income for him and his wife uh, here. And then uh, another trainer who was supposed to move up here who had sold their gym and wanted to kind of be on board with us. They never moved up because of the restrictions because he saw there was no daylight to it. And then our latest staff member, because New Jersey is not fully open at all yet, um, our latest staff member who we were bringing in and we wanted to get back to get into a full-time position, they just can't afford to live in New Jersey without the opportunity being there. Um, So they actually moved out of the state as well. So we had one employee not move to the state, two employees move out of state, and one, our real full-time kind of lead at the charge employee, uh, switch, switch careers. So yeah. back to doing the bulk of coaching now, since you're... So during the pandemic too, my dad fell ill again, pretty ill. Um, so we moved back in. So we're 30, 35 minutes away from the gym again, 40 minutes on a bad day. Um, so I am at the gym Monday, Wednesday, or excuse me, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. But Monday, Monday Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, I am not here. But since I don't have that manager, I'm doing all this initial sales, the onboarding, the scheduling, the emails, the social media, like all the stuff I wasn't doing anymore. In February of 2020, I am back to doing, as well as taking care of my father because I physically get him up every single morning to take a shower. I literally have to pick him up and put him in a chair and everything like that, and I feed him and everything. So, um, my time is very limited (laughs) pretty much. And we appreciate you taking the time to come on here. So, um, so basically you're almost back to like square one a little bit because of (laughs) pandemic, just in terms of um, what your requirements need to be at the gym. So Um, our, our worst month in 2020, which was right when school was starting up, because that's where we saw the real drop off, which is one of the issues with some of the, the aid stuff is that they're based on times when, a lot of gyms were still doing okay in our in my field, the micro gym world, um, and they don't take consider, consideration the last quarter of 2020 because that's when things for my friends that own gyms that's where they really got hit, and that's where a lot of small businesses I know too where it's, they kind of tapped out. They were hanging on and hanging on. It was really the fourth quarter that hit. Um, so the beginning of the fourth quarter, my revenue was half what it was in the first quarter of 2020. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So we got hit. Now, fortunately. We're climbing back up and things are getting better and better. We're taking a trainer on. We're onboarding someone right now to take over more load. But um, yeah, it was pretty wild. So we, it could be really good to switch your brand during the COVID, but it also could be tough because we switched to a higher price brand. And since New Jersey never really opened 
we were at 25% capacity until I think like two, three weeks ago, um, people started to get tighter with their money. So I'm not sure if you saw, but like the first two months of the pandemic, people were spending cash like crazy. Because if you're unemployed, you got extra money. If it was this, whatever, people just kind of were spending cash because they weren't spending at restaurants or going out or traveling. And then as it went down in New Jersey, people started getting a little bit tighter with it, a little bit tighter with it, a little bit tighter with it. So it became a little bit harder to go for the higher ticket items. Okay. And so, but you, you have a, a path out of the, where you are now? Yes. Yeah. So we're right now where someone's doing personal training, they have a more of a business background. Um, they have all the training background I could ever want. They understand PL sheets. They get all that stuff. So it's someone I can show those things and they'll understand. And we're really hoping that that's going to kind of be the, the person that will be able to shift uh, these roles to. So I can get some of my life back and focus on bigger picture things instead of how many people are in a class or that brand new person that didn't show up for their first training session that now I need to call and be like, you know, showed at six o'clock in the morning. You, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, all stuff like that. So we're actively pursuing that. And if this will be the third person we've kind of gone to, to check out, one of them didn't work out hundred percent. One of them is just the timing with the pandemic. They moved out of state. And now this person we think is going to work out. So they're hopefully going to start take over some more roles in the next two weeks, actually. Um, but it's going to be more work for me at, up front, and then I'll be able to back out more and kind of not be here. Where did you find the employee? So <laughs> it's kind of funny. It's one of the hardest parts in the gym industry is to find yeah. reliable employees. Um, and I think for CrossFit, it's even a little bit harder to find somebody who's passionate about CrossFit that does have knowledge, that does yeah. have the business or sales background. So when we first started the gym, I never thought about having full-time employees. And so it was okay to think about, which is kind of really short-sighted of me, right? To not think about full-time employees. Like, what the heck am I going to do? Just be here 12 hours a day, five days a week for the next 20 years. Like, it's just, I don't know why I never thought about it. Like, it's just, it seems so common sense to think about it, but I never did. Um, so uh, what do you call it? So at first when I was just part-time employees and I wasn't looking for someone who wanted to do this full-time and have more of a role than coaching a 60-minute class but wanted to work at a different level and work with clients remotely and everything like that. Um, I only hired almost from within the gym. Like I never hired from outside. Uh, then as we started to shift and we're like, Hey, we need people that don't necessarily take coaching serious, but take the profession of coach. If, does that make sense? Like their, their main high isn't the fact that they come in and work with people for 60 minutes. Their high is that they're able to work 25, 30 hours a week and make an income that's sustainable and choose their own hours. And they do it in a different way than a nine to five job. Um, so we started shifting towards having kind of mini entrepreneurs in the gym. And the problem is I shifted with my part-time employees to do it. And none of them started here for that, which was also a problem in shifting the brand was that everyone joined the gym for CrossFit. And then we're shifting the brand and we couldn't just force people into the new brand or the new pay structure or the new service. Um, so we had to get new people to kind of be in the new service. So the same thing happened where fortunately through uh, all our trainers, we have, we have them do use active life, which trains business owners and everything like that for gyms. Um, mostly in the sense of looking at programming differently and learning how to sell your stuff. Um, so through them, there's a network of trainers that are a little bit more educated um, and so we would always ask in that group first. And that's where the two guys from down South, we, we met them. 
the guy we're working with right now, I actually met him at the first ever active life seminar when he owned a gym. It's just kind of random. And uh, now we're going back to him. So I have gotten all my best employees have come from networking within kind of the professional gym community and not at all from within our current members, if that makes sense. So we've had one person who was a member before who actually became the manager, but she was always very different. She was always thinking at a different level and handled things differently. Even when it came to training, she thought about it differently. Um, so that was kind of the rare case, but the, the current case is for the full-time staff members. They've all come through networking and talking to other people and looking for people who are actively pursuing an opportunity for a full-time career. And by pursuing a full-time career, I mean, they understand they're not going to make a hundred thousand dollar salary, but they kind of have to earn it, but they have an opportunity to earn as much as they want while they're here. If they're willing to work for it, so to speak. Cool. So, yeah. Yeah. It makes total sense. Um, I think for many hiring good, reliable employees, which fit their niche um, for whatever segment of the fitness industry they're in um, is, you know, is a, is a tough one. Um, yeah. And, you know, and finding people who, you know, if you offer more than one service, finding people who can like do both, you know, as well as, you know, um, have that sales background or well, that, that business background is. A that's what I, was saying. I would take anyone with a sales background over and no training background than someone with a training background and no sales. Because right. that's what all the positions here to make a full-time in income in the fitness industry, you need to understand sales and what it means to, to be in sales, as well as how to kind of portray yourself as someone. Like so many people have such an issue with it because they train because they love to train people. And it's like, that's great. That gets really tiresome when you realize that most of your clients don't even listen to you. They really don't. <laughs> they don't. It's just the way it is. So you're no, that goes away really, really quickly. Right. Really quickly. Yeah. So all my clients that listen to me the most pay the most amount of money. Right. <laughs> that's, that's the truth. All right. So we'll wrap up. We've got a couple um, questions. Um, you know, just uh, if you had to nail it down to like your top three, what, what are your top three keys to success for a gym owner? I think uh, for a gym owner, it's understanding that A, you are not a coach. Are your, are your members who are working out here are not your clients? My actual clients that I'm trying to help are my staff. So that way I can have a life. Right. So I think that was one big key is that I needed to treat my, staff the way I would treat almost a client that was paying me $500 a month for training and $300 a month on top of that for nutrition, care about them in that way and develop them in that way. And also be honest with them and be like, Hey, you know, you're not doing anything I told you to do. So either stop, you're gone or let's get back on track. Cause I would do that with a client that was wasting my time. I would tell them to get the heck out. Right. No matter what they were paying me. Um, I think that's one of the things is to kind of look at your staff, the way you would the care and patience and grace that you give clients, give that to your staff, but fool me once fine, but a repeatable mistake, get over it. Um, you have to kind of move on. Number two, um, I would say <laughs> learn how to set goals the right way. So everyone always told me, set a goal, set a goal, set a goal. Oh, we want this many members. We want this member. We want that. And everyone, we put 200 members on a board because for a small gym, 200 members is fantastic. You're like, this is incredible. 
but everyone focuses on that or $50,000 a month in revenue and they never focus on the steps in there. So I think focusing on systems and processes is more important than focusing on a specific goal like 200 members or $50,000 a month. That stuff is great, but it doesn't, systems and processes carry you long-term having a goal doesn't necessarily, if that makes sense. Um, and I think the third thing is don't be scared to take time off. Like, don't be scared to step away. Like it will be okay. Like step, get out of the chaos. Um, and I think that's for any new kind of business owner is the pressure and fear that everything is dependent upon you. You sacrifice everything else in your life just to make clients who next week can leave you happy. And it's like, well, all those friends and family and stuff like that, they're the, whether or not you own a gym, they don't care. They don't. So we, all of a sudden I found myself sacrificing time with that for, you know, Bobby Sue, who one week the toilet paper was out and they wrote me a three paragraph email about how they were so mad that the toilet paper was out and it wasn't replaced fast enough. And so they left the gym and wanted to cancel because of that, you know, that didn't actually happen, but just, just kind of a random story. So I think the idea of systems and processes over goals, protect your time, right? Don't sacrifice everything in your life for it. Um, I think those two things, if I knew them in the first three years, I probably wouldn't have as much gray hair or weigh 215 compared to 180 when I started. Right, and right. my wife probably would have been a little bit happier with me during those first few years. Yeah. yeah. I don't know about you, but like when I, I find myself able to think more clear and come up with some of my best ideas when I'm like, I, I go hiking a lot. Um, mm -hmm. And like when I'm hiking, like mid hike, I'm just, you know, I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking cause it's nature. Yeah like as anyone would do or when I'm not in the gym is when I like have the most clarity and have yeah. most, like breakthrough ideas, which would help me. Um, so that's a very great point. All right. So th those are awesome keys to success. Um, I agree. Those are all extremely important. Um, and that's, you know, it's great to see your, your opinion uh, or your outlook on uh, or perspective on things. Now books, I know you mentioned reading a lot of books, right? And yes. Yeah. A lot of books. <laughs> if you had to nail it down to like one book, like you have to read this book if you want to be successful, what book would it be? I know, and there's so many because I know you talk about leadership, you talk about finance, yeah, marketing, yeah. You talk about everything. But your one go-to, like if you had to gift somebody a book who just opened their business, what book would it be? I think. Um... Right. So I think that my answer would change like every six months to a year or whatever. Um, I think for coming out of, uh, oh, it's tough to do one. I'm going to give you two, but I'll give you a main one. I'll give you the second one. For, right. <laughs> yeah. So I think coming out of the pandemic and COVID, um, I forget his name. He wrote Profit First. He has Fix This Next. Okay. Uh, Fix This okay. Next is probably the book right now for any, for any current business owner who's coming out of the pandemic. I forget his name. Michael, Mike Michalowicz. Thank you. So it's a very simple process because you're everyone's business went through chaos. Even if you're doing more revenue, you still have chaos. Right. Um, and it's a very kind of concrete way to look at your business and kind of calm the chaos. Um, for anyone that's about to start a business or is just starting, I would read get things done. So get things done is a system of capturing information, clarifying information, organizing it, and then kind of engaging with it by setting it out or whatever. So it is a way to stay productive because 
I think something that happens to a lot of new business owners is since they're kind of flying everywhere, they don't have a system to, too many things fall through the cracks and getting things done really, you can apply it to a lot of different areas of your life. Right now, if I hadn't, so during the lockdown, I read getting things done because I was completely overwhelmed. And if I didn't, I would be in trouble. I'd be in trouble. So. Cool. All right. Yeah. Um, and so if you have, what's your, if you have a favorite quote, so uh, right now, one of my quotes to help me kind of get over myself, most of my, I used to have on my desk, uh, motivational quotes are for unmotivated people. <laughs> um, but one of my quotes, I forget the, the author's name, but he was talking about, and this is kind of a tough look on reality, but the look to have this perspective and look allows you to take more agency over your life and to take responsibility for things. And what he said in the book was, you don't suffer trauma, you suffer your feelings about it. And so it's so easy for me to blame everything. We had large amounts of staff lead. Uh, we had clients leave that I've known for seven years because they couldn't handle everything with their kids. Um, what do you call it? There's the pandemic. There's my father falling ill, me becoming his caretaker and everything. It's so easy to kind of just live under all those circumstances. Um, I think it's the book is called The Confidence Gap. I'm pretty sure that's it. And so the idea of all these things and in a world where everyone's telling you that you suffer from you're experiencing trauma and that's the way you're behaving, it was good to hear someone say, yes, there is stuff going on in your life, but the hard part is your feelings about it. So let's change your feelings about it so you can actually take some responsibility for your life. Because if you're not responsible for it, you can't change it. So that quote right now, anytime I kind of feel down or upset or whiny about anything, it's like, no, like that is worse than what's actually going on is me giving up and saying it's not my responsibility or it's out of my control to kind of fix it. So it's not super popular for people, but I think for an entrepreneur, like you need to understand that you have control ultimately. Yeah. It's very uh, stoic, the, uh, the yeah. obstacle the way, you know, as yep. yeah. quotes. So, um, all right. And lastly, so like, is there anything you wish I had asked you that I didn't ask you? Um, not off the top of my head. Um, just cause we were in mastermind stuff before we've had a lot of conversations. Um, and there's always kind of the easiest thing to do is to make fun of things that you kind of sucked at and did wrong and did wrong our interactions. Um, so we didn't do too much of that, but, um, off the top of my head, no, I guess, I guess the only question I would ask is what's your exit strategy for me? No, for if you're thinking about having that conversation, like yeah, so what's your, what's your exit what's, strategy? So this is the first year I ever thought about moving out of New Jersey. And so my wife and I have talked about literally living out of a van. I want to have like a tiny home behind like a big old truck and kind of be able to hang, <laughs> but she doesn't want the tiny home. Uh, Cause this is the first year we talked about how can we change our life to fit the goal of traveling more and not being able to not needing to be in a physical location. Um, so she has her own brand and she's simplifying that with, um, working with mothers cause she's a doula and she's a good running coach, great running coach. So we're shifting those things so she can do it from anywhere. And then I'm making my role as much as I can not to have to be here every single week. And we were on that path with the gym before COVID. Um, so that's our big extra strategy. So then we can do things that we enjoy more because as much as I love coaching people, there's if you are coaching people, you're kind of limited in the conversations you can have 
where I'd rather work on things that are a little different. I think, I think one of the things that happened to some business owners in COVID is it made them care about stuff they never cared about before. At a local, county, state, federal level, it woke, it woke up a group of people to bigger topics and conversations that were going on instead of worrying about the bottom line of their business too. So um, we'd much rather have a higher level impact in different areas than just focus on the, and I'm not putting down the new person that comes in the door, but we want to have a bigger impact than that single person coming in the door. And we want to talk about higher level conversations that would probably piss off half our clientele. And we just, we're just, we don't want to be connected to it in that way. We want to be able to say things and do things in a different way and not worry about how the gym is going to feel about it. Cause we're disconnected enough that it's okay. So, yeah. Awesome. So Dave, uh, last thing, just like, how can people find you and what's your, uh, your socials or your tweet, Twitter or. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so the site is just sorehp.com. Um, and you can find all the social media stuff there. Uh, Dave underscore Whitson. You can find me on Instagram and Dave Whitson on Facebook. The truth is I barely ever post on my personal Facebook. It's a problem. Um, but, uh, if you just search also, uh, Soar strong on Spotify or Apple, you'll find our podcast and everything too. Um, but yeah, cool. so I am a, they, I am quiet personally on social media and then I post for company type stuff, but yeah. Awesome. Dave, well, thanks very much. Uh, I'm going to uh, sign off here for the podcast, uh, and, mm-hmm. but I'm going to put you put, pause it and then we'll chat and say goodbye. Yeah. So um, thanks folks for listening and tuning in. Dave Whitson, owner of SOAR Health and Performance in New Jersey. Uh, very interesting um, and feedback and perspective for people looking at getting into the gym industry. So coming out of the pandemic and rebranding their business. So thanks, Dave, and look forward to future conversations. Thanks for listening to the No Risk Business Performance Podcast. Please be sure to check out the show notes for any information pertaining to our guests, as well as to how No Risk Business Performance can help your very small business. If you found the information useful, please be kind and share it with your friends who also own very small businesses so they can benefit from the advice that our guests can provide. I'm your host, Judah Boulay. Thanks for listening, and we will catch you later.